You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this podcast is episode number 1150. In a postmodern world where each person's reality is shaped by social class, gender identity, culture, and lifestyle choices, many categories are no longer relevant. So how can marketers understand the new consumer? Dr. Michael Sullivan goes over how to break down the walls and liberate the postmodern consumer in his book, Are You Ready for This? Marketers, Tear Down These Walls, Liberating the Postmodern Consumer. Dr. Solomon, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having me. Well, I'm excited to talk about the content in your book. It's a provocative title. And before we get into the content, share with our audience the inspiration that brought you to the point where you decided to write this book. Well, Richard, I've I've been studying consumer behavior for a a really long time. I'm I'm a a professor of marketing, and I work with a lot of companies on marketing strategies. And and what I've realized over the last few years is that consumers are really changing, and most companies just aren't keeping up with those changes. There's just a tremendous amount of upheaval going on, a lot of disruptions that we always talk about, and uh, basically a disconnect between between what consumers are doing, how they're interacting with companies, and what companies are doing in return. And in particular, I think consumers today are much more proactive than they used to be. So they're, they're not the passive recipients of marketing messages uh, that they were even five or ten years ago. And so I wrote the book to, to explore how some of the, the very basic assumptions that we make about consumers and the and the tidy little walls we put them behind really are no longer relevant. I'm always interested in having authors on who are also academics because you're seeing this first of all maybe in your classroom you have this crucible this petri dish in some ways of looking at new consumers did, did your interactions with your students at all influence your decision to study and write this book? Oh, ab- absolutely. Uh, you know, if you, if you think it's easy to, to walk into a room full of 18-year-olds and get their attention and keep it for an hour and a half, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's quite a challenge. And they're, they are the epitome of the new consumer, of course, because they're constantly distracted, constantly on their phones, posting on Facebook, etc. And so uh, as an educator, I face the same challenge that a lot of businesses do which is how do I get the attention of these jaded and distracted people and really get them revved up about what I'm trying to sell them. And it's not just, and we're talking with Dr. Michael Solomon, we're talking about his book, Marketers, Tear Down These Walls. Uh, it's not just the uh, that cohort, but it's also bled into the older cohorts up to and including, I would think, baby boomers are much more informed now. And So I want to ask you, I know that in your book you're an advocate of lifestyle marketing. And I'm wondering, you know, how traditional marketing has had to adapt. And if you could maybe start by explaining what you mean by the term lifestyle marketing. Uh, Sure. Basically, lifestyle marketing means that that you don't just think about people in terms of 
very basic categories that we that we're used to using, like uh, you know, male or female, young or old, rich or poor. But you really uh, do a deeper dive and 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 look at how they use the all the different brands around them, products and services, to literally define who they are. You know, we have these all these sayings: "You are what you buy," "You are what you drive," "You are what you eat," etc. And there's a lot of truth to that. You know, people really use brands today very proactively. To uh, they put a lot of stock in the brands that they do choose. Uh, because those brands say a lot about their identities, and they not only tell them who they are or help to guide their own process of deciding who they are, but they also determine the other people that they want to affiliate with. And so really brands have become the new vocabulary that people use to define themselves. So lifestyle marketing is is basically identifying uh, groups of people who share an affinity for different activities, uh, you know, and it can be uh, traditional psychographic type stuff that we've been doing for a long time, like political affiliation, religion, and so on, but but also uh, a lot more activity-based, like, uh, you know, musical preferences, uh, how you spend your leisure time, and so on. And, uh, you know, and again, it's just a much more proactive way to to look at, at how everyday people are picking and choosing from among all the many thousands of brands that are out there to to each of them kind of try to paint their own personal portrait. So I'm wondering as you're answering that question, is there a correlation between your research into lifestyle marketing and this assumption or belief that the millennial generation prefers experiences over things? Is is there a bleeding between those two or am I out on a limb that doesn't connect? Oh no, you've uh, you've made a, you've made a good connection, and you know, uh, it's again, it, it's not that that young people don't value brands. You know, they definitely do, but but again, it's it, that word proactive. I keep repeating that, but but what they're doing is they're taking that they're taking those experiences that are out there. They're, well, they're taking products and they're turning them into experiences, and they're each of them is a unique experience. So they're really interested in how they can weave together a unique combination of brands that really help them to define their own unique identity and and find their way in the world. So uh, I think that's absolutely a great connection to make. We're talking with Dr. Michael Solomon. We're talking about his book, Marketers, Tear Down These Walls. So your first conversation, I heard a lot about consumer products. So is it safe to say the marketing research that you've done, it's in the title, Liberating the Postmodern Consumer, you're, you're really looking at B2C type sales and not necessarily B2B sales? No, no, I, I think, I mean, certainly B2C is, is very relevant, but, you know, the, the changes that we're seeing are really disrupting all, every kind of business and, and definitely including B2B, so... You know, for example, you, you mentioned this this focus on experiences. When you when you look in a B two B context, and you look at what people are are trying to get out of trade shows, for example, or or sales interactions, those are changing as well. You know, and it's much more experience oriented, and uh, not just you know exchanging information and business cards. It's all about it's all about the networking. It's it's all about. Uh, uh, tearing down, you know, walls that that prohibit suppliers and and buyers from from really connecting with each other. So, uh, no, it's definitely not just combined to, uh, confined to B to C. 
though obviously, um, you know, many of the products that that are B2C products, you know, uh, clothing, uh, automotive, and so on, are, you know, they're definitely being disrupted. Excellent. I'm enjoying this conversation. We're about halfway through the interview here on Critical Mass Radio and Show and Podcast with Dr. Michael Sullivan. We're focused on his book, Marketers, Tear Down These Walls. I'm wondering, as as you say, tear down these walls, I wanted to ask you about what are you seeing, kind of let's move back to B2C space, at least in the retail arena, what are you seeing happening to traditional retailing as it's related to this move in marketing? Well, you know, it's funny. A lot of people have uh, have written the obituary for traditional retail, and, you know, I think that's really premature. If you, if you look at, uh, you know, obviously we're seeing a huge shakeout because, Again, we'll go back to that word experience. The, the successful retailers are the ones who, who understand that in order to compete with, with the Amazons of the world, their, their advantage is that they can provide a unique experience. So the store is not just a place to warehouse your product because you can never compete on a price basis with, uh, with Amazon. Right. But what you can do is offer a value added in the form of an experience. So if you, if you know, we've had a lot of retailers, uh, you know, fold in the last few years. But the ones that are surviving are, I think, stronger than ever, because they are revamping and understanding that the in-store experience is really, really valuable. And you know, and if you look at the, if you look at the the financial activity and uh, you know that, that's going on right now, there's a lot of healthy retailing. Um, but again, the dead wood is definitely going to be gone. It would almost one could almost argue that the retail experience I've already used the word is trending to more of an experience based site than a shopping mall. Is it, do do you see that in your research as well? No, ab- absolutely. I mean, and again, that's the competitive advantage because you can't get that kind of experience on on a website usually. You know, so if you look at uh, let's take let's take a store like REI. Um, you know, they've done a tremendous job of really taking that outdoor experience, you know, and how, showing people how to use the products in, in real-world settings. Um, I believe they recently appointed a, a uh, in the C-suite an, an experience officer, uh, you know, with that title. So, uh, you know, they're taking customers out on camping trips with, with led by their store associates, of course, using products that are sold in the store. So that's, you know... That's the kind of model that that retailers in any category can emulate. Uh, obviously, depending on what they sell, it would be a very different experience. But but people are people really want that. And millennials, by the way, love to shop in stores. Uh, but they have to be, you know, again, they can't just be warehouses. They have to be places where they're going to be stimulated and entertained. I wonder. I'm going to go off script a little bit here, and I'm talking with and interviewing Dr. Michael Solomon. He is the author of Marketers Tear Down These Walls. And before it's all over, I'm going to ask you to share the inspiration for that title, but not just yet. I'm wondering if in history, if there are any parallels to the way that products were sold and marketed in the past. Is is what's new old again, Dr. Solomon, or is this a new phenomenon based on technology and buying habits? You know, when when you've been studying this kind of stuff as long as I have, you you realize there's nothing new under the sun. So I think I think that's a great question. And you know, and if you look back 
at when when department stores were first first came on the scene back in the late 1800s and you look at some of the really grand department stores in New York and Chicago and so on uh they did exactly what these successful retailers now are doing you know they would they provided experiences they they provided uh you know a, a merry-go-round inside the store or a, a skating rink or something like that and and of course, you know, over the years, they they most of them have shut down, and they've been replaced by by other kinds of retail. But there's a concept we we use called the wheel of retailing that basically says, you know, it, it it's constantly changing, but uh, but over time, you're going to see new forms replacing old forms. But again, there's nothing really new there. It's just a, a question of execution. So. For example, today, of course, we have access to a lot more technology that can make the in-store experience really, really something that that, that those designers, store designers, didn't have in 1900. But they they managed to do a pretty good job. Right. Well, also, it's kind of um, rising expectations, right? The 1800 store shopper was blown away by a Ferris wheel that might be indoors or a uh, carousel. So the expectations have increased over time. So this revolutionary technology would certainly have been out of place and disorienting, you know, decades or centuries ago. So I'm wondering, though, it, do you believe that it is required for that retail experience to have that level of interactivity? And do you see things coming in the future, whether it be augmented reality or something else that might truly kind of re-energize uh, the, the marketing and the selling and the retail experience as well? You know, I think, you know, the, the successful retailers are really raising the bar because they, they are integrating a much more experiential element there. Uh, it doesn't have to be technology that, that does it. You know, so, for example, Casper Mattresses uh, is really succeeding because they're literally letting people take naps in their store. You know, <laughs> on their ma- they're letting them field test the mattresses. That, wow. That's not technology-based, but it's a great way of, of saying, hey, take our products and actually use them. And, again, that's something a website can't do, at least that, that I know of today. So... Uh, so yeah, I mean the the augmented reality is something I've been very excited about for a number of years. I've done some work in that space, and the potential of that to to really change the game is, is amazing. Although at this point, most even most retailers don't seem to be awake to that idea. You know, when, uh, most people only heard of it after the Pokemon Go phenomenon, and you know this notion that there could be both a digital and a physical reality jumping around on your phone really was an eye-opener for a lot of people. But, man, the potential for that, and you, you name the category, there's there's ways to make your products come alive that, that are absolutely astounding. Right. You almost bring this idea of an arcade into the shopping experience, which could be revolutionary, right? And as technology makes that more seamless, I can think of a lot of applications where people go in for the experience of trying on some clothes or a different haircut. I mean, I, I'm just spitballing things here, but the idea is, you know, I love it when technology enables entrepreneurs to create something that didn't exist before they had the enabling technology. But my experience is once one entrepreneur tries something, it feeds on itself and other entrepreneurs then become excited about that idea. And then this technology gets more adoption and more robust applications. 
it it does you know of course there's a bit of a me too to that so you it you know there's there's definitely a novelty aspect to some of this stuff especially virtual reality but on the augmented reality side it's more than just novelty i'm convinced because because literally any physical space can become a uh, a billboard for your for your product so you know imagine you know we've talked about uh, the end of bookstores for example uh, imagine walking into a bookstore and every book cover every time you put your your phone up over the cover of the book on the shelf at Barnes and Noble and that brings up uh, the author telling you about how cool the book is or or even a uh, you know a, a cinematic version of one of the scenes in the book or anything like that uh, so any kind of any kind of package can can be a, a talking point for you, and you know, and and some of it can be functional. Like in the pharmacy department, you know, you take your you take your little pill bottle, and they have trouble getting people taking their to take their prescriptions. You hold up your phone to it, and the doctor comes up out of the phone and, and explains to you all the all the things that you shouldn't be taking if you're taking this medication. You know, it's. Uh, you you name the category, and and I'm telling you, there's wonderful applications that are just waiting to be unleashed. And as you say, it's usually, you know, there's a, usually a few brave first movers that take a chance on it, and then everybody else will jump on. So I'm I'm really hoping that will be the case. So I'm wondering, we have to. My engineer is telling me we're coming to the close of this interview, uh, Dr. Solomon. I'm wondering, did you learn, or what did you learn about? you know, kind of consumer engagement and the postmodern consumer that you didn't know prior to writing and kind of researching and publishing your book? Well, you know, what, what it really reaffirmed to me that, that the consumer today is a different animal than he or she was not that long ago. And, and again, it boils down to that proactivity, you know, and the reason I talk about postmodern consumers is what that basically means is that uh, you know, in a postmodern world, the traditional boundaries don't don't really hold, and and people love to mix and match experiences from all kinds of different places. So, you know, think of it as one of these you know the, these big buffet places that you go to, and you can have a pizza next next to some egg rolls, next to a, a taco. You know, all different kinds of ethnic food on the same plate. That's essentially what the consumer experience is today, and that's what people want. So. Companies that don't understand that are going to get left in the dust. Um, you really, what I mostly learned is, I think I can sum it up this way. You don't want to market to your customer. You want to market with your customer. That's awesome. I, I would say, let's end it on that, but I have two more things. One, how did you come about the title? Well, it's kind of a play on some old, uh, you know, historical saying about tearing <laughs> down walls that some older readers will recognize. Right. right. Uh, but basically, it's it's a plea, literally, to tear down these walls because, uh, really, we're marketers are their own worst enemies when it when it comes to making assumptions and stereotyping their customers, and especially not uh, not going out and actually interacting and, so to speak, fish where the fish are. So I say tear down these walls because the business opportunities and what I talk about in the book are how many of the successful new products that are out today don't conform to traditional industry verticals. They're actually hybrids of various kinds. So, for example, uh, the athleisure phenomenon, everybody, you know, everybody walking around in these yoga pants and so on, uh, that's a combination of athletic wear and leisure wear, and they literally created a new category 
by merging those two together and not being afraid of going beyond the wall. So that's where the opportunities are. That You know, we save the best for last, but we're always looking for these teachable moments. And I think for marketers to think differently about how your brand is positioned and your product is positioned and looking for these strange bedfellows, you know, things that you can do that no one else in your industry is doing, gives you a chance to be a Lululemon and to kind of redefine what had traditionally been not even a consideration, but in the mind of a consumer it's acceptable if it's marketed to them properly. So this is great, Dr. Solomon. If someone wants to buy your book, Marketers, Tear Down These Walls, Liberating the Postmodern Consumer, how would they do that, sir? Uh, they can go to Amazon and just uh, and just type in Michael Solomon and, and the title, and that should come up. And they're welcome to come to my website as, as well and, you know, drop me a drop me a note if they if they want to have a conversation uh, uh, and that website is www.michaelsolomon.com and either way uh, that'll work thank you for sharing a bit about the great content that's in your book and the research that you've done i really have enjoyed our time together today sir thank you for being a friend of the program and welcome to the critical mass community well thanks very much i really enjoyed it have a good day Bye-bye now. All right. I'd also like to thank our engineer, none other than Mr. Paul Roberts, for a great job today, as well as our producers, without whom we could not do this show. Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, Haley Stern. If you'd like to connect with me, let's start on LinkedIn. I am Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. And until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 